0: you as the mic has the power for all those that were mocking me this morning I now have the mic, right James? <laughs> so James and I so James were and having, and I a, were very having a very interesting conversation, conversation just like uh, Ruli and uh, Sebastian, only this time we were talking about guns not any guns, Clinton Pools guns that's it bro, well done <laughs> I realized this is a very awkward conversation, and I'm not sure if I'm the awkward one or James. And then I looked at uh, who James is friends with, and I realized, yeah, I'm in a good space, eh? <laughs> Must be James. <laughs> ah, Nick no kidding. So um, I'm very excited about this morning, and I just want to say a special welcome to Jehiel. Jehiel was part of Kingdom Faith back in the days, a very good example to a lot of us, and uh, it's just so awesome to see that he's still powering in the Lord, loving God, uh, being part of uh, churches through throughout the years. And so it's so lucky to have you with us this morning. And then for our visitors, yes, this is not the normal. Um, we have two teams that are out, and uh, they are being a blessing in Grabo, and they are being a blessing in Soil and Dam at the moment. So God be with them, and God be with us. Amen. Oh, we need you, Lord Jesus. What were they thinking when they left Rulia and I? (laughs) Help us, Lord. Anyway, okay. So it seems like God has interrupted the narrative, which he's very, very good at. And I must be very honest when uh, Rian asked me to share the Sunday, I was very excited. And then, probably about two o'clock this morning, I realized I'm not that exciting excited any longer and it's when God comes and he interrupts the narrative. I love it and I hate it at the same time because what happens is it takes you completely out of your being and you're so dependent on God and I'm telling really like you know it's like reading the story of David in 2 Samuel and in the middle of the chapter there's the story of Amon and Tomah which has nothing to do with David's thing well it does sort of But it's just there, but it's so important. And uh, while I was prepping, it's like God gave me something to share on. And in the middle of that, he was like, "But I also want you to share this." And our uh, our um, instructions from our fearsome leader was keep it as short as possible. And uh, you know, both Ruly and I have a problem with that. So God, God be with us. But because we are those who are under submission, we will with this in 25 minutes. Amen. So, if there's any subject line or heading or title to the preacher, I'd call it this. Don't despise small beginnings. And actually, there's a scripture like that in Zechariah uh, 4. Mike, you want to put that one up first, please? Do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel. Zerub, Zerub, Babel, that's it. Zerub, Babel's hand. For these seven lambs represent the eyes of the Lord that will search all around the world. The part that I really want to focus on is that don't despise these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices in the beginning. While in the work that begins. And that scripture actually comes out of a place where they were in Babylon for a very long time. They were in exile and they come back. And uh, obviously we know about the temple that was built and how glorious it was when Solomon had built the temple and then it was completely in ruins. And so these group of people come back, the Israelites, and they're starting to rebuild the temple. But the older people that remember what the former temple looked like They're mourning. And the younger generation that have no idea what the temple looked like, they are rejoicing. And so not the rebuke, but God challenges the older ones. And he says, you know what? You're looking at the way things used to be. But I'm rejoicing that my people are first of all back and that they're willing to begin to build again. And you know, even for us over here this morning, it's weird. Like when church looks different now, we, we almost wobble. Even me, honestly, I came over here and we started off really, I think we were about 11. I thought, okay, we we're going to have community today. <laughs> and uh, we started praying and, and, you know, the numbers started growing, but it was a little challenging for me because it's like, how do we, you know, how do we direct this now? It seems like 90% of the church is not here. And, and I could see as people were coming through, everybody that experienced the meeting at the beginning were like, whoa, where's everybody sometimes God does these sort of things because he wants to check. We're still going to worship. We're still going to love. We're still going to give ourselves. Are we here for the crowd? Or are we here for God? But the reason why I'm sharing this today is because of this. There's a lot of exciting things happening. Ruli and Ilana are going to be involved in Paul. They are outreach churches that we as a congregation have been invited to be a part of and so there's a stirring of things that is happening and uh it's like all of a sudden God is bringing about dreams and visions back to you know to our to our lives and to our hearts but there's that waiting period of when these sort of things unfold so for Rulia and Ilana, what we heard within 20 minutes is eight years or nine years of finding the Lord's voice serving faithfully And then going, and God goes, now it's time to move. We don't see the nine years. We don't see what unfolds in those nine years, those challenges, finding the Lord's voice and all those things. But those are being faithful with a little. And so I'm going to share on one scripture. And so for me, the way I work is I'm going to almost just build into that. So the scripture that I'm going to be focusing on today, along with that is going to be the 2 Corinthians 4 one speaking about Jaws of clay, there we go. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And I want you to realize, I think Kim preached on this once. Do you guys remember this preach? I'm just going to say it. I am a crackpot. You guys remember, some of you guys would remember that. I promise you, it was one of those preachers that he told to me. It was a preach where I realized, like your God, actually you take this Vessels of clay. But you do it because you want to show the surpassing power that belongs to you. And so when I look around me over here and I realize like every person that is sitting over here. You know the Bible didn't say or doesn't say that it came for the wise, the honorable, the people that have it all together. It says that it came for the foolish things of this world. And so if you're feeling foolish today, honestly, say it's okay. Because the person next to you is also foolish. We're all foolish people, but we've been saved by the grace of God. Amen. Okay, so here's the part of where I got interrupted and I was tossing and turning. God took me to the story of Samuel. And we have this young boy dedicated to the Lord and is uh, ministering before the Lord. And it says that at that time, like the word of God wasn't um, much evident. And so... He's spending time, but he has never heard the voice of the Lord for himself. But he loves the Lord. It's amazing. He loves God. Because at that time, God used to speak quite audibly. So you could hear him. So he's ministering before the Lord. And I love how it displays this guy, Samuel, a young boy. It actually says over here in verse 3, the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple where the ark of the Lord was. A young boy loving the presence of God. So everybody's doing their thing, but he's lying right there by the ark of the Lord. he had never heard the the voice of the Lord, but he's ministering before God. And through people's testimony and what he heard, he's just chilling over there by God over there. Anyway, so then he goes and sleep, and God calls him. He says, Samuel. And Samuel, obviously, because he never heard the voice of the Lord before, goes to Eli. And he says, yes, my master, And Eli's like, no, I never called you. Go and sleep, you know. So he goes back again and again a second time, Samuel. And he responds again and he comes to Eli again and he says, hey, you know, I'm here. And Eli says, no, go and sleep. Go and lie down. That's what the Bible actually says. And then he calls him a third time. And it says over here, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. When the Lord had called him a third time, it says that Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. And then he says to Samuel, now when the Lord calls you again, respond and say, Lord, here I am. Your servant listens. And what I felt in this was this, is that when God calls us, And I need to share this with you. There's this part of the year where it says, okay, I'm going to get to that. But there are things that God impresses and places on people's hearts. And sometimes the dream and the vision is a lot bigger than what we can fulfill in one sense. But what I got out of this is that accountability for us is so important. And I want to encourage you, and I want to say this. For some of you sitting over here, like, there's stuff that are burning within you. Like, seriously burning. Like, I know that maybe you come to church and all you go is, man, I know that there's so much more. And actually, God gives you the vision to see it. And the beautiful thing about that is this, is that when God begins to birth something within you, the important thing is that he wants to take that thing, and he wants you to be able to come to a point where you'll walk it out in accountability with someone, but at the same time, just like when Eli told Samuel, hey, I never called you, go and lay this thing down. It's a picture of taking that dream and that vision, as with Joseph, and putting it at the feet of God, and just go like, Lord, I'm sensing this. My leaders, they might not be sensing it, but I'm really feeling this thing burn within within me. And you know, the third time that he had responded, it says that Eli perceived that this is the Lord. And this is so important for us as a congregation that I believe that God uses all of us in a specific way. And When that thing burns within you, your responsibility is not to bury it, first of all, but your responsibility is also not to make it happen. There's a reason why God puts us in relationships of accountability. Because accountability, healthy accountability, is to find the voice of the Lord and go wherever he's directing. And so when I present something to Rian and I go, man, I really feel this thing stirring within my heart. Like, can you help me process it? And he goes, like, bro, like, I just can't see it. It doesn't make him a bad leader. It may just be God's timing. And if I go to him a second time and a third time, and eventually he goes, hey, I see this thing. It's because at that point in time, God allowed our leaders to perceive it. And I want to say to you, don't allow those dreams and visions that God had given you. But be faithful with it. And then trust God. Trust God. You know, sometimes when we try to make things happen, it's actually just a lack of trust. So we go going, God, they, the leaders are not seeing me. They're not seeing this potential or this gift within me. And that can be 120% correct because that's happened to me as well. When nobody saw it. I was seeing it. I was seeing something and nobody saw it. But I had to lay this thing down. And when the time is right, God perceives it. And what he does is he opens up the eyes of our leaders, of one another. And he goes, hey, actually I am calling this person to that. So I want to just leave that with you. That is the part that interrupted my narrative, that if that is you, my praise God sees, and He'll bring it to light in its due time. Don't grasp it, don't fight for it, but be willing to walk this thing out, and together we'll find the, Lord, the, the voice of the Lord. Amen. Okay, now we can get back to the usual. Thank you, God. So as I was reading this, what had happened was I was so stirred and encouraged by Andrew's preach um, at the gathering, if you guys were over there, and it excited me. I was like, yo, it's, it's time to let our light shine. And I think for some of us, it was very exciting. For some of us, it was a little bit confusing because he was saying that if you're just hanging out with church people, you're actually dimming your light. And so for some of us, we go like, whoa, 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 but you know, we can't be hanging out with unbelievers, and it's part and part. Because it is true. Like, we have to let our light shine. We've got to be out there sharing our stories, sharing our testimonies, um, being that people that would allow God to shine his light. But at the same time, we've got to be faithful in the house of God as well. And so for me, as I was preparing this, I felt like the Lord was saying, like, Uric, I'm doing something so big that you can't really fathom it. And you know, we've had so many prophetic words as a church that God had used us as a stream to become a river and just to gush out. And we look at it and for some of us, we might go like, yo, when is this thing ever going to happen? But I believe that it's time to be faithful with the little things. And so as I was reading the story of David, amazingly, God speaks about how he had chosen a man after his own heart. And at this point in time, David is not even introduced. And so the first thing I want to say He didn't become a warrior and a king. And then God went, this is a man after my own heart. He became a man after God's own heart because of what is happening in the secret place. And you know, I want to say for you, there are things in the secret place that God is busy doing with you that nobody sees. There are battles, there are giants, there are bears, there are lions. Like with David, where he stands before Goliath and the reason why he could fight this giant was because he could identify and testify about what God had done in the background and it's so important you know I look at the life of David and it's amazing that when Saul comes not Saul sorry Samuel and it's almost like it almost just repeats itself it's amazing how God raises up someone you know with Samuel Eli never perceived that the Lord was calling him until the third time when God highlighted it to him. And you know, when Samuel takes that same place to go and anoint the king, every brother that comes, he has this perspective of, this guy looks like the chosen warrior. And eventually the Lord goes and he says, you know what, Samuel? You're looking at the outer appearance, but God searches the heart of everyone. And I wanna say that that scripture in terms of Being a jar of clay. I really want to leave this with you. When that jar is overflowing, you take that jar because this is what the world is like. This is how we came to salvation. Inside of us, eternity is birth. And so we're always searching and we'll try to find it in things. Try to find it in women. Women may try to find it in men. We have children. We have jobs, we have careers, and we're always trying to fill this void, but it never fills. The Bible says that God places eternity in every person's heart. And it doesn't matter what religion you are, everybody questions, is there a God? And the day when you meet Jesus, it's like that void gets filled. And I wanna say this to you, that the world is so dry out there that when you take your broken clay pot and you present that cracks before God and you and you say, like, you know, God, like, I'm not as a big of a pot as, as Joel is, you know. Well, I'm not. I'm not saying you're big, but I just, just hear what I'm saying, <laughs> you know. Well, I'm, 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 I don't really talk the way Clinton does. He just has a way of talking to people and people loves to be in his company. And what do we do is we begin to compare ourselves where God goes, no, the desire is not the pot. The desire is to have that pot filled with a treasure. And when the treasure is full, people don't focus on the pot. Because when that pot is being poured out, all they're getting in that dry place is this rivers, rivers of living water. And you know, Jesus identified this. And he's with his disciples. And it's the end of uh, the feast or coming toward the end of the feast. And he's sitting over there and he's seeing everybody walking past. And it looks like they living life. But he sees the emptiness in all of them and his passion and his desire to see that fulfilled bursts within him and he stands up and he preaches in the crowds in that moment. And he says, all who are thirsty, come to me, come to me and I'll give you living water and out of your belly will flow or gush streams of living water. And basically what he's saying over there is, I don't need your perfect vessel. I don't need you to have it all together. I want to take your brokenness and I want to pour my spirit into that. So that when you open up your mouth, so that when you walk with me, when you begin to love for me, that people don't begin to identify that broken crackpot, but they see the treasure of God. And what we do is we compare ourselves. We look at that one's treasure, sorry, we look at that one's job clan and we go, yo. I want to be like that jar. Or I want to be like that jar. And God goes like, you can be like that jar and the people will never know about the treasure inside. And my encouragement to sorry. My encouragement to us as a church is that we begin to drink, that we begin to find life. And I'm telling you, as you drink from God, wherever you go, you're going to begin to pour out and pour out, and pour out. And when you pour out, people is going to find Jesus. And so, you know, David, completely overlooked, busy there with the sheep. I mean, how does that feel, eh? Your dad even forgets about you. So, Jesse, Samuel, and he's this renowned prophet, and he's coming, And he says, like, listen, I'm actually coming to anoint one of your sons to be king because God is telling me to go and choose one of these. And he gets all his sons. I mean, he's intentional about it because this is a big moment. And so he brings all his sons in. And the Lord says, it's none of these. And even Samuel goes, like, your God, maybe I heard wrong. And the Lord prompts Samuel, and he says to Jesse, like, is it no one else? Jesse goes in that moment, oh, yeah. (laughs) You know that response? It's like working at the company and nobody knows about you. And then the director says, oh, yeah, I still got Clinton that works for me. (laughs) I mean, how do you feel? You know what I mean? But, you know, David comes over there. He's so naive. Just love the character of David. He's just loving God. And he pulls up over there, and the next thing they go, this is the one. We're going to anoint you as king. And after God anoints him as king, like He doesn't go and boast about it, you know, like Sebastian liked to do. I'm going to be the next world leader anyway. (laughs) He doesn't boast about it. He goes back to the sheep, tends the sheep like almost nothing happened, but he buries us in his heart. But even in that background space, he's just enjoying God and he's fighting lions and he's fighting bears and he's just among the sheep. And you know what is awesome? How God then creates the opportunity is Saul's got this depressive spirit that comes on him and obviously begins to tell his servants, listen, you need to find someone because I feel like worship music uplifts me. So the servant, now you must remember these servants are not like what we'd consider servants. These are people with massive authority. So they know what is happening in the land. And one of these servants says, hey, I know a man. Full of valor, full of awe, and is handsome. And I'm going to bring him through to you. And he identifies David. And for me, my heart goes like, You're God. Nobody knows about this guy, but his testimony in the background creates the opportunity where God goes, I want to use you. And I want to say for you, you might not even be a community leader, you might even be the one that sits right at the back end community and never speaks. But we don't know what your secret background looks like. While everybody is doing life together, you fighting your secret battles. And you know, just to be vulnerable and honest, secret battles can look different for everybody. For some of the guys, it can be pornography. You can be the most loyal person right here. But that's your battle in the background. Nobody knows about it. But the Lord is telling you, hey. I want to help you overcome this battle. For ladies, it could be just your presentation. All that you want to do is just be affirmed and look beautiful. And the Lord goes like, hey, you're beautiful to me. You don't have to present yourself on Instagram and put yourself out there. You're beautiful to me. But that's a real battle that we face. For some of us, it can be overlooking, you know, like, Everybody gets chosen. I never get chosen. I have never got chosen for the team when I was doing sport. When I get to work, they choose everybody to be the manager, but they never choose me. And God goes, no, no, no. This is your battle. This is where you find victory in the secret place. But when you find that victory, that's when you begin to build the testimony that is going to glorify God. Now, I want to share a small testimony with you guys before I hand over to Rule. So when I got saved, just before my 21st, I was very broken. Now I shared with with some of you guys, but I want to just talk about the journey thereafter. And so affirmation was a massive thing to me because I was very insecure, very fearful. But insecurity, like seriously to another level of insecurity. I know we're all insecure. And I'm not saying that I was the most insecure, but I was very insecure. I mean, I remember being on an outreach and coming down because we were going to go to the church, and Uncle Dave made a joke. He told me, Eurik, that shirt don't match with the jeans. I ran back up, and I went to go and change. I kid you not. That's how insecure I was. I was like, no, I don't look the part. Let me go and do this thing. So very, very insecure. And what happened is, when you get affirmation, and you give some sort of value, you put everything into that. And so after the first two years of being saved, just like suddenly the Lord highlighted me. And... Uh, all of a sudden, they were building toward me. And the thing is, I was going to do a year of your life, and then I was going to start the church. Maybe you'll remember that. I don't know. And I was giving of myself. Yo, I mean, I was preaching. I, 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 Literally, I was the man of the hour. I should have had crocodile skin shoes then. I felt like that when I got on the stage. Glory! And then... The year came toward the end, and it's like, we're going to start the church with Yules. And I was like, yo, even had this picture. <laughs> this picture makes me cringe to this day, because the guy that was mentoring me asked me to draw the picture. It's so, a true story, eh? drew the picture. And he was so gracious, oh my word. He looked at the picture, and he was like, hmm. So tell me, Yurik, what does this picture mean? And the picture was me standing, I had a vest on big chain, a cat to the side, and everybody is standing down here with their hands in the air, and I was preaching the gospel, and you know, I'm sure he must have thought, your God, you're going to take this guy on a journey, (laughs) but to me, that was real, that was the the vision that the Lord had birthed me with, that one day I'd preach his word, lo and behold, after that dream came my death, and then nobody said anything, church plant never happened, opportunities for preaching dried out for a very long time, probably like four years. And all I was, was just in the background. It's like everybody completely felt that way. Nobody forgot about me, but to me it felt like everybody forgot about me. And then all of a sudden the cracks started highlighting. Now I'm struggling with lust. I'm a single man. I desire to be married. Struggling with insecurity. I'm being overlooked. And I'm just feeling like your God, like is this what A relationship with you looks like my theology is being challenged now because I was very much focused on the prosperity gospel that's why I was the man of the hour and so I'm completely broken and I'm just feeling like your God what is happening and in that moment I remember it so clearly I remember reading that scripture I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of the wicked And as the Lord spoke that to me, he told me, Yurik, you can be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord and you can be a very miserable one. Or you can find that actually true life is having such a beautiful relationship with me that nothing else really matters. That that guy that wrote that psalm when he wrote it, it was true to him because he was just a doorkeeper. He wasn't allowed to go into the temple because only the Levites were able to go. He could watch them go into it, but he loved it. He loved it that he could enjoy God that way. And it changed my whole attitude. And I began serving my brothers, encouraging my brothers, pushing others forward. And every time when I got overlooked, I'd sulk before God for a little while. But then go to that friend that got the promotion in once and then go like, Yo, bro, I'm so stoked for you. Yo, I'm so stoked. You're going to Joburg. You're going to go serve on that side. And I must just stay over here. And you know what? I look back now, it's 20 years, I'm still here, eh? but I'm loving God. And you know, the thing about being that vessel is when the treasure is full, you begin to affect people. You don't do it intentionally even. It's not like I'm going to come to community and today I'm going to change the life of people. No, 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 you're just drinking from God throughout the week. And you're winning those secret battles. And God goes, I want to highlight this because this is going to be helpful for somebody. One of my biggest giants that I had to face was loneliness. Got saved. And I saw all my friends with saved girls and they getting married. And you know, first, second, third year, it's like you can do it in your own strength. But now it comes eight, nine years. And the people that when your youth are getting married before you, and you're just like, your God, am I ever, you know? And, and for real, this was a real battle to me, like, I had to challenge and face that giant of loneliness and feel like, God, am I, am I still okay just being me, you know? And it's like the Lord just goes like, Uric, like, just push in, love me, serve me, just be faithful. I will raise up, I will give you a wife. And you know, you get to like 33 and you're like, yo, feel like uh, Abraham over here, Lord. <laughs> Honestly, but that was a real. Now, honestly, guys, like for us, we laugh, but you people in, as Christian, I know Christian people that faces the same struggle and you feel almost like you're disqualified because, your God, when is it ever going to be my turn? But I want you to know that I truly came to a point where I went, Lord, if I'm going to serve you singly, then I'm going to do it, not grumpily. And I really just, I was so forced to drink from the presence of God. You cannot be in a situation where you're desperate and you want to fill the void without drinking from the presence of God. And you know what? He taught me in that season, that 15 years of being single, how to drink from His presence. So that I'm always overflowing. And today, yes, sir, so I am so blessed. I have a beautiful wife. It was actually our anniversary the other day. Our community reminded us. No, I'm kidding. No, they did. I don't want to lie. They did. We were just very busy. But um, I look back and I go, your God, like, thank you that in that moment of loneliness that I could find you and just be faithful and drink from you. And I want to say that for every one of us over here, we all have our secret battles that we need to face. But that secret battles is building up such a testimony So that when you share how you overcame that giant, firstly, it's going to glorify God. And then secondly, it's going to encourage your brothers. And you know what I love about that? When God restores Joseph after the many years in prison and many years being overlooked, it says that the word of God had tested him. And when the Lord had restored him, he told him, now go and strengthen your brothers. And your battle that you're currently facing right now God is busy giving you victory into that thing so that you can testify him about it and share it with others. Hey, I mean, look at Casey and Clinton, probably one of our most beautiful testimonies here in our church. We all know their journey, and today they're leading the young adults. I mean, how awesome is that, day? Hey? That is the stories that God wants to build up. I'm very excited for Baz and Abigail as well, and there are many others. I spend a lot of time with young couples, and they Brew, you sp- honestly, there's <laughs> people in our congregation. You just hang out with them, and you know, like, they're drinking from the life. They're drinking from God. You spend time with them 10 minutes, and you just want to sit in their company because it just overflows. And I don't want to mention their names. They're here, but I'm telling you, they're like living revivals, and that's what God wants to do. He wants to make you so full of this treasure that when you spend time with other people, they just go like, yo, that person I want what they have. I want to conclude with this. If we drink from the presence of God, nobody's going to focus on your jaw. God is excited about the small beginnings. And I want to encourage you, be excited about it as well. Love somebody today. Serve somebody today. Encourage somebody today. Push somebody before you today. Those are the things, highlights, the presence of God in your life. Amen.